Father, I thank you that lost people do matter to you. You want them found, and you have given us the job to do that. It is a job way bigger than what we can accomplish, and yet so important. And so we need you to do the work in and through us. Lord, work and move in our hearts, change our hearts to have the love that you have and to open up doors that have been closed to bring light where darkness has come in our community. Lord, help us to bind our hearts together as one, not just one or two praying in a meeting, but all of us together each day for you to move because, Lord, we know that we have not because we ask not. And so often we look at the church today and sometimes even complain about the way it is, and yet we get exactly what we've prayed for. Forgive us and help us to pray as we ought. Lord, we pray for the Kindervaters as their home on furlough, uh, home, home assignment here. Uh, prepare them. Go back for the ministry you have for them overseas. Lord, for the new interim chief police, uh, as he's uh, been there, a, a part of the, the force, and yet now moving into this position and ultimately probably to the chief of police. We pray your blessing upon him. Pray him as he takes the reins of this and that you would direct, that you would protect, you would work and move as only you can, as you set up authorities. Father, we pray for uh, Byron and Grace, United Methodist Church. Lord, the reality is we could be praying for a lot of United Methodist churches right now, especially in our community and the struggle that they've had to go through recently. Lord, we pray your grace would be upon them, that you would strengthen them together to have one heart and mind that is yours, yours that loves. Move in us this morning. Help us, as we just sang, to hear you. We want to hear you. And there is absolutely no reason why we cannot hear you today as we look at your word. It may have nothing to do with anything I would say. But as we open up your word may we open up our ears and open up our heart to hear and obey to be changed not just informed to some new way but transformed into a new person move and work us in us as only you can do this morning take charge jesus reign supremely over us and in us and ultimately through us for your kingdom and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 5. And just refresh from last week. Is this part 2? Verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. I don't really know i was trying to think of so many different ways to start to say this 
but I'm just going to come right out and say it. And that is to address a problem that's happened between some people publicly here, and I wouldn't say if it was privately, but publicly here a few weeks ago that just needs to be made right. You don't always hear your dirty laundry, I know, but hey, in Philippians, Paul called out two women by name. So, apparently in what should have been a sweet occasion, together at our dessert auction, some people were at odds with one another and upset because they were beaten out for a cake (laughs) that they wanted. And the person... Not just that person had taken that from them, but he'd done it before at previous auctions and they've done it to other people. It's the same kind of person. So despite messages, as people were there, despite messages that we've had recently, apparently I need to confront right now that we need to get rid of the bitter root. Okay, I'm glad you guys are all with me. Obviously, I'm joking, but at least I hope I am. I hope I am. I mean, if forgiveness and and bitterness is happening over somebody not getting the cake that they wanted or they missed out of, then I know some of us are like, what? That sounds kind of petty. Unfortunately, there really are people out there who are that petty about things. But really, the problems or conflicts that we have with people, those problems and conflicts that just don't make any sense, why are they upset about this? It doesn't make any sense, is usually because it doesn't make sense. It's not about that. When something doesn't make sense, it's usually an indication that there are bigger problems. There's there's actually something else, something deeper going on. See, while we're trying to figure out the facts, I, I, I... trying to wrap my head around the facts of what just happened. But it really has more to do with the feelings that were hurt at the core. If we're going to make it right between one another, we need to realize that some of the time our real problem is personal and not some noble principle that we disagree on. It's to recognize the real issue is within me Not about something that I think is right or wrong. It's not so much about what was done or said. Oftentimes it's really about how it was done or said or how the person was treated. Which leads us to the next two ways of making it right when we've wronged others. I mean, part of what we want to do is to take down the wall that seems to still be between us and others. There may be a wall that's somewhat down and we're able to see them and talk with them, but we know it's not the same because of something that happened. And we've been looking at the messages here dealing with, in a sense, the seven A's of biblical confession. In other words, coming from the person who's wronged to the person that they wronged. We've talked about needing to give forgiveness This message and and the next one yet to come is about getting forgiveness. We've looked at uh, the three before to deal with addressing everyone uh, 
that's involved, avoiding, if, maybe, and, all the excuses. And three, admitting specifically what you did or said that wrong. And today we move on to numbers four and five. And number four, meaning we need to acknowledge the hurt. Now we can get one, two, and three. I mean, there's a part of us that kind of grasps one, two, and three. But we don't really think about this one, not number four. Especially don't think about it if we're concerned about is just making it quickly past the wrong. Uh, we just want to, you know, we just want to be done with this. Just make it right. But in many ways, number four here is a continuation. Number three is we're admitting the wrong specifically that we've done. Number four is about getting a little deeper under the surface and recognizing not just what we've done, but the damage that we've done to and in them. It's a recognition of the reality of the person's pain that we've sinned against and taking responsibility for the wrong that has affected that person in their life. We cannot treat the things we do just like, you know, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. It's, that's the way the incident. And think, you know what? Whatever happened, it's over. So get over it. It doesn't work that way. Hurt happened. Because of us. But we don't want to have to admit that we caused real pain in someone. It makes us uncomfortable. So much so that we avoid pain by ending up avoiding the person. I mean, they didn't wrong us. They did nothing to us. But because we did something to them, it makes us uncomfortable to be around them. Because we don't want to feel the pain that we caused them. Yet if we're sensitive to the Spirit of God, we cannot help but be sensitive to other people, to the people that we've wronged. You've probably seen this verse, Romans 12, 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. We've heard that, but have you ever thought, you know what, that applies all times, including when we were the ones who caused them to weep. We were the ones who caused them to weep. And we should be weeping with them. Acknowledging the hurt that happened. If we're thinking about, if we're not thinking about how they're hurting, we can end up causing greater suffering. uh, Minimizing the problem between us and them. You know, what happened, it was really not that big of a deal. But when we minimize the problem and say what happened between us was not that big of a deal, we're saying as well that whatever pain you're experiencing that's not that big of a deal either just get over it they're like really not that bad you know they they, they get their head shake the finger i don't know what's going to happen you know not that bad why are they making such a big deal out of it Of course, the usual answer to that is, well, that's just the way they are. You know them. But if our desire is to make it right, we need to acknowledge that we hurt them in ways that we did not realize. Yeah, maybe for you, if that would have happened to you, it would have just bounced right off you. Maybe you wouldn't even have noticed that somebody said or did that thing. It wasn't a big, a big deal. Which is why we need to step to acknowledge the hurt that we've done. Uh, they're not us. 
and they are not okay. We all have sensitive spots that seem to hurt a little more than it should when people poke us there. We may not realize it, but that thing that you just said, that thing that you just did to that person, you actually hit them where there was a hidden bruise from other people in their life. So respect their reality. Acknowledge the hurt. Not just what happened. Acknowledge the hurt, the pain, the impact that your words and your actions had on them as we seek their forgiveness. As we grasp the seriousness of the hurt, it will help us to convey the sincereness of our apology. Do you hear what I'm saying? As we grasp the seriousness of the hurt, it will help us to convey the sincereness of our apology. Hopefully, as we make that statement, we make it with how we feel. You know, it, it deeply bothers me. I am, I am saddened by how much I've hurt you more than I ever realized. I am so sorry. And then we need to be ready. After we say that to the person we've hurt, we need to be ready because we may receive an emotional response that may come on strong. But that's not the time to tell them, don't cry. You don't have to cry. That's not the time to tell them, don't get angry about this. Let the God of all comfort come alongside in that moment and let the Holy Spirit work in your relationship, allowing them not to hold things not just back from you, but back from God. Of course, we hope that they're not going to be hateful, that, that, that they're not going to be vindictive, but you've sought God's forgiveness and that's on them. Their reaction is on them. And I know it's not fun to have to do this, to have to confess, to have to go to someone, to have to sit there and, and hear about the pain that you caused someone. But remember, all you're having to do is to actually listen. They had to live it. If you are the one who's been wrong here, and, and you're trying to make it right between you and them, don't minimize your pain and try to play the tough guy. Be honest with them and be truthful with yourself about how it affected you. Truthfully recognizing that some of the pain that I'm feeling right now has to do with other things besides you, other people. Some of the pain that I am experiencing, maybe I expressed to you, was things that really didn't have anything to do with you. You see, sometimes our reactions are over the top because we've got things that are under the surface. Like roots of bitterness that we've been talking about. Sometimes there are things pressing down on us in our life that we end up just being frustrated and angry about, and that anger comes out on the people who it's easiest to be angry with so that we don't have to be angry about what the real problems are. But God has told us here, go and be reconciled to your brother. Here's something we don't always think about. There are Christians who are, are frustrated with other Christians 
who don't forgive them right away. Maybe you're that one or maybe that's happened to you. You know what I mean? It's like they get frustrated. Why? They're a Christian. I mean, come on. God's word is plain and simple about how we have to forgive one another. Why can't these Christians just forgive me? It's it's simple choice. It is. But it's not an easy one. Or at least not as easy as the person who offended often makes it to be. The person who's done the wrong wants it to just be an easy choice. But it's not always that easy. Why? Because this is what forgiveness looks like. The cross. Is that something? Just do it. Just forgive. It's not that big a deal. That's just what Christians do. Forgiveness hurts. Forgiveness can be painful. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that. Jesus, it says in Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes, we are healed. So not only should we be acknowledging the pain that we would have caused someone, but we need to acknowledge the fact that to forgive us sometimes hurts because they are bearing the pain. They're not bringing it upon you. They're not coming against you. They're not revenge or judgment or whatever, and that's got to go somewhere. They're taking that pain upon themselves. And oftentimes we do not think how hard and how much it hurts to forgive. Even though that's what we must do. We need to be able to acknowledge the hurt. But as well, let's move on to the next one. We need to accept the consequences. Somebody's like, what's that? Right? We don't think of consequences when when we're thinking about making it right with others. We have this tendency to think that forgiveness means that, all right, I get forgiveness and then I get to go on with my life pretending like the wrong never happened. That's the way some people do it. Like, by forgiveness... And please, yes, through forgiveness, we put it in the past. We bury it in the depth of the sea under the blood of Christ. But that does not mean that there's no consequences in the present. It's not like through forgiveness, we get to time travel back magically and we undo the damage that was done. That doesn't happen. We don't undo what happened, but we get to redo and to make it right. But that doesn't erase the consequences. All we have to do is go back to the very first sin in Genesis. God told them to not eat from the tree. And yet, that's exactly what they did, right? And then as God is walking in the garden, and they're hiding, and God knew exactly what was going on. He knew they were hiding because of their sin. 
He knew all that took place, and yet God forgave them. God forgave them. In a sense, God sacrificed an animal. Not just so that they have clothes, because they didn't need to have clothes. God sacrificed an animal so that their sin might be covered and that they would receive forgiveness and reconciliation with Him. The forgiveness and reconciliation from their past sin, from what they just did. But that did not take away the consequences of their actions. Genesis 13, verse 17. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. To painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. That's some serious consequences. Not only serious consequences that they had to live with in the present, but the serious consequences that we are living with in the present. Because of their sin. And yet God still forgave them. Yes, He kicked them out of the garden, but He didn't kick them out of relationship with Him. He forgave them, and yet there were consequences to their sin, to what they did. God did not kill or destroy them. He did not punish them as their sins deserved. And that's the difference between consequences and punishment. The Bible is full of other examples of God's people who were forgiven and yet had to live with the consequences of their sin. Think about Abraham. Even that, we're still living with the consequences of Abraham's sin today, let alone him. Moses, David, they were all forgiven and yet they had to deal with some serious life-altering consequences. Often our consequences can just be reaping what we sow, getting what you planted, consequences of sinful actions that you have to pay. Your life becomes more difficult. Your life is different than other people around you because of consequences of wrong. But the good news is, for those who have experienced God's forgiveness, that whatever consequence that you have to live with, it is only temporary. Because we will not have to live with those consequences in eternity where we will finally be free. So as it deals with making it right with others that we've wronged, there are natural consequences, both formal and informal. Some that are very practical, clear-cut things that should happen. Other consequences are not as tangible. It's like, what exactly should I do? Like, for example, the consequence of spreading gossip about someone and the damage that is done to their reputation. What do you do to make it right? Well, I don't think there's anything I can do. Yeah, yes, there is. If you're going to try to make it right between you and someone and you're just going to, obviously they found out about it and you're confessing it and you're asking forgiveness, there is still a part of making it right. And therefore, there are consequences, and that is accepting the consequence that you need to go around and confess to all those that you talk to about them 
And not just all those you talk to about them, but you need to find out who they talk to and who the gossip spread to. And you need to go to each person and lift that person up who was put down. That person who had destructive things said about them instead of constructive things, as the Word of God clearly we read in last week in Ephesians 4. We need to make right the wrong by admitting the wrong that was done. It's an example that we see in the prodigal son. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. I'm willing to accept the consequences. Forgive me. There are other times that accepting the consequences deals with the principle of restitution that's spoken of in both the Old and the New Testament. Making right or wrong, that's something that God takes seriously. Leviticus chapter 6. And Leviticus chapter 6 says this, If anyone sins and is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving a neighbor about something entrusted to them, or left in their care or about something stolen, or if they cheat their neighbor, if they find lost property or lie about it, or if they swear falsely about any such sins that people may commit. When they sin in any of these ways and realize their guilt, they must return what they have stolen or taken by extortion or what was entrusted to them or lost property they found or whatever it was that they falsely swore falsely about. They must make restitution in full, add a fifth to the value of it, and give it to all the owner, give it all to the owner on the day they present their guilt offering. And as a penalty, they must bring it to the priest, that is, the Lord, their guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without defect and of proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them before the Lord, and they will be forgiven for any of the things they did that made them guilty. All right, so that's one of many places. talks about this principle it says if you've stolen something yeah you you return it but you don't just return it everything is not just fine just because okay i'm wrong i know i was wrong i i i i am guilty about this it wasn't enough just to say that there was something about not only uh, returning it but adding to that and not just do they have to add to that and the cost of there but there is a cost of bringing a offering a guilt offering to the Lord for forgiveness. To make it right with the person that we've wronged. Really, that, that whole concept, as you're thinking about what I read in Leviticus, what we're talking about here, goes back to our verse that we've been expanding off of. It puts it a whole new light. Sometimes I think we're reading Matthew chapter 5 in light of current church day. And we're not thinking back as he says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift that go and be reconciled to your brother is not just going and saying, hey, you know what? Before I can take communion, I got to say I'm sorry to you. So I'm sorry. Okay, thanks. It might be something you have to do about that. Some reconciliation that needs to be made some way to make that right making it right with others is a part of making it right with god 
to realize how serious God takes this. Uh, it, it, he takes it, it goes a step beyond just making it better. And there are plenty of examples. Exodus chapter 22 is a interesting, just lays out over and over the cost of the point of what, uh, what we've been talking about. And in verse 3 of Exodus 22, it says, All right, as you are making restitution, as you are trying to make it right between you and that other person, if you do not have the means or the money to pay them not only back what has been done, but the little extra that's needed, if you don't have what it takes, then you should sell yourself in slavery to pay for your wrong. God's not messing around. We don't like to talk about that in the church. But God's not messing around. This is serious. This is a principle that was known and seen in Jesus' day even. Trying to make it right with others. We see a prominent example of this in the New Testament in the person of Zacchaeus. Think of it. Luke chapter 19, verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, to who is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zachariah, or, uh, Zacchaeus accepted the consequences of what he needed to do to make right the wrong. He knew the principles. He, he didn't just uh, didn't come out of thin air. He said, you know, I should pay people back. He knew the, the, the principles and he didn't do it so he could be saved and forgiven by Jesus. We got to understand that. But he did it because he was saved and forgiven by Jesus. Restitution is evidence and the fruit of forgiveness. It shows that he has become a new creation for everyone to see. That Jesus is real. And the change Jesus makes is real. He was not told he had to do this. But he wanted to do this. Here's this former bad guy. Really bad guy who knew the right thing to do to make it right. How tall do we stand next to Zacchaeus today when we go to make it right with people that we've wronged? Are we really doing all that we can and accepting the consequences? Unfortunately, too many Christians today have lost the principle or are thrown it away. Because all we really want to do is just apologize. We just say we're sorry and move on, expecting the person that we wronged to do all the work, to take all the, uh, the hassle of what took place. Instead of us doing all that we can to make it right, repairing the damage, restoring what was lost, uh, at times actual damages that were done that can be made right or repaired or restored. Uh, but we shouldn't. Let the person we hurt be the one holding the bag, so to speak. Most of the time, we should want to make it right as soon as possible. Admittedly, there are going to be times where it's just not possible to 
pay back or to make something right right then and there. And that's when we need mercy and time. Although sometimes there are things that we've done or said or things that we've wronged some way that we've hurt something that is not something that we can replace. Something that's irreplaceable or something that's unrepairable or it's a cost that we couldn't even begin to pay back. Which is why we need to address it as soon as possible. We need to watch. We need to watch if we are the one who is offended, if you are the one who was offended, if you are the one who was wrong, that as we're talking about accepting the consequences here as part of somebody confessing, somebody seeking to make it right with you, if we're the ones who've been wrong, we need to make sure that we don't start playing the sorry game. You know, that's an actual board. The Part of the title there under sorry is the game of sweet revenge. Right? That's what we get. And so and there may be some here who said, man, this person's really wronged me, so oh, I'm hoping they accept the consequences. You know, I'm hoping they're here. And, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're the one who's been wrong, we're not the ones to demand or uh, consequences. We're not the one to command whatever restitution it is. Otherwise, we become like the unmerciful, the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. To be patient as they accept the consequences and try to make it right. Don't ask for more than what is right. Don't be trying to take your pound of flesh for the extra pain that they caused you to make them suffer in addition to what they owe you. All the while smiling about this whole thing, you know. You know I don't know if that's really, that's, that's obviously it's an old picture, old part of the game you know ah sorry game of sweet revenge everybody smiles jesus says this do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven that makes it pretty clear for example i think these people miss this verse there was a death notice published in the Reno Gazette Journal. It's not from around here. The Reno Gazette Journal by the children of a particular woman. Here is their death notice for the mother. On behalf of her children, whom she so abrasively exposed to her evil and violent life, we celebrate her passing from this earth and hope she lives in the afterlife, reliving each gesture of violence, cruelty, and shame that she delivered on her children. That's something you won't put in the paper about you, right? Wow, there's no bitterness or unforgiveness. There is there. Wow. They're really following Jesus' words. Do not judge. You know, whatever wrong someone has done, wishing hell on someone because of that pain just shows that we do not grasp how horrifying the reality of hell really is. And we also do not grasp how wonderful and amazing the grace of God is towards us. We've missed it. 
Jesus took all the pain and suffering on himself on the cross for every sin. Not just for every sin that you would commit, but he took all the pain and suffering for every sin that is committed against you. For every wrong that was done to you, Jesus died for that too. The punishment has been paid. And if someone comes to know Christ, they have been forgiven. The punishment has been paid. If they don't, then they will be paying for all of eternity. You don't need to be the one to make them pay. In fact, Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. We've talked today about how to make it right with those that we've wronged. But also trying to touch on those of us here who have experienced pain that someone has caused you. Whether anybody, here's the thing, whether anybody has come to you and confessed or asked for your forgiveness, that doesn't matter. I mean, that's the point of the message. That's the point of what Jesus is trying to say. Listen, you need to not just get forgive, not just get forgiveness. You need to get forgiveness from people. You need to try to make it right. But listen, if nobody comes to try to make it right with you, don't wait. Move on to Jesus, the healer. Instead of focusing on the one who wronged you forever and ever. Stop trying to hurt them back. And make them feel worse by taking them on some long guilt trip about what they did. There's some people that live the rest of their lives in a relationship with somebody that just keeps reminding them for decades of the pain that they caused them 40 years ago. All we're doing is just picking at the wound. And it never heals. We just keep the hurt alive and we're killing our chances to ever make it right with that other person. Sometimes could it be what got hurt the most was not all the things that we're talking about, but our pride. Of which should have been crucified. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We are to die to self and to live to Christ, to surrender ourselves and our rights. And so here is a simple yet profound truth that I've said before regarding getting hurt by other people. Dead men feel no pain. Dead men feel no pain. If we've truly taken up our cross, denied ourselves, and gone to die to self. Stop playing the victim and start living in the victory of Christ. He wants to give to you. Don't keep sinking deeper into the painful pity party that is killing you. And killing other relationships around you, but not the person who hurt you. If we don't let Jesus heal you, you'll just be a carrier of that pain to other people. As so often is true 
We've probably heard it before. Hurting people hurt people. Whether you see it or not, whether you recognize it or not, hurting people hurt people. If that's you, be healed. Find the healing. Because healed people are a part of healing others. I've been there. I know that. I understand. And I recognize that the pain has a purpose in the hands of God. None of this is denying the pain that we've experienced. You, your pain is real. In fact, for some of us, the pain is so real that it's left a scar in our life. A scar that can become less evident as the years go on. But you have a choice. You have a choice now as you look at that scar of whether you're going to remember the hurt that was done to you in the past or whether you're going to remember the healing that God did in you. Because otherwise there wouldn't be a scar, there'd just be an open wound. The fact that there's a scar means there's some healing that's taken place. Recognize that. Receive that. That's part of as we come before his table today, recognizing what Jesus did for us. That Jesus, who even on the cross could say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Forgive them. His forgiveness for us on that cross, even though we were yet his enemies. And in that, not only for us to take the example from Jesus to be forgivers, but to take the example that we need to recognize his importance he places on making it right with one another. And we need to get forgiveness. I ask the worship team to come. As we come before the Lord's table and communion here, let's recognize that it's open to all who call upon His name. But sometimes we shouldn't take communion. Some have not always recognized the body of Christ, recognized what He's done, recognized what they have done. It says if we've judged ourselves, we won't come under judgment. And sometimes what's happening is Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and verse 24, which we've been talking about. Is that if you realize that you, brother, has a problem with you, and there's a problem between you and someone that you have not tried to make right, then you're better off not taking communion. Because it says... Corinthians 11, that's why some are sick and some have fallen asleep, in other words, died. We have to take this seriously. God does. It should be so clear that God takes this whole thing seriously when we think about the bread that represents His body, when we think about the cup that represents His blood. It's time for us to get serious about forgiveness on all ends of the spectrum.
ask that the uh, communion stewards come. Father, we pray that you'd help us now as we come before the table. And Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We ask your blessing upon this bread that does represent your body broken for us, for the body of Christ that you are the head, Jesus. I pray today that you'd help us to to not just do the religious thing right now, but to be real before you. And that maybe we need to go and make it right with someone. That might be a process. Maybe we need to get right by forgiving. How can we grab a hold of this bread in our hand and not think that we are to forgive as you've forgiven us. Overwhelm us now with your amazing grace. Help us to just surrender it all, which includes the pain, not just the good about us, but the stuff that's not so good. And to surrender our all to you, even in this moment. Move and work in us, Jesus. As only you can. In your name we pray.